We are so thankful you decided to take time out of your day to listen to this sermon. Central to all of our services is gospel-centered teaching led by our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Warren. Together, we are a church that seeks to follow Jesus every day, and we hope you are drawn closer to Christ as a result of this message. Uh, so good. We had a great week. VBS, uh, hostile takeover of all the kids on campus. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for everybody who had a part in that. Hey, go ahead and grab your Bible. Uh, we're going to uh, just preach up to, up to noonish and send dads off. We wish we had the cookout going, but dad, go home and take a nap or something. I don't know. Whatever you need to do, eat bacon. I, I don't know what you might do. Um, bacon for lunch would be amazing. Uh, so let's do this. Turn to Romans. We're going to be in chapter 3 ultimately here. Um, let me start with this. There's two ways to measure power. Think about this with me. Two ways to measure power. One is to see it in action. All right. To see the effects of power. The other is to observe its absence. This past week, in fact, it was last Sunday. Some of you, maybe you finished lunch, you're heading home. And we saw the power of a storm <laughs> that came through. Were you here in Dallas? Anybody saw this? So we, you know, our, man, trees were down, uh, limbs, you know, I mean, we, we don't need to get our, our trees trimmed anymore, right? They just cleared them out, which was amazing. Power lines down. It was crazy. I read later, um, it was 75 mile an hour winds at certain points and places. That's a category one hurricane. We had a hurricane just kind of drop on us in Dallas for about 30 minutes. So we saw the power, right, in action, and we saw the results of that. Well, we also then, to follow in the aftermath, we saw the power revealed in the absence of, of power. Uh, and, and we take it for granted when we don't see it, because what happens then after that was some of you, in fact, half of our kids, we asked them on Monday morning from this stage, about half, clearly, of all of our families without power. And that lasted, you know, for a couple of days for some of us. Some of you, like me, driving around town, the, the lights were down. I mean, it was kind of chaotic, right? So we can see power at work. But sometimes the absence of power can bring about chaos. And today what I want to talk about is the power of the Father's presence in our lives. And I'm talking about our Heavenly Father. So this is for everybody. This is for all of us. We'll make applications to Dad. You're already seeing some applications there. This is true in our spiritual lives. Power of God in our lives, the absence of power. And we see it in our fathers. Some of us are here today. We maybe have our fathers aren't around anymore. Maybe we've had absent fathers. We've been impacted by that. And there's real pain in that. Today there's some tender emotions on a Father's Day, like there are on Mother's Day. Now, often you, you, you pick this up. On, on Mother's Day, we're like, Mom, you're awesome. You're just amazing. Everybody loves you. And then Dad's just like, come on, Dad. Come on. Let's go, Dad. Let's do it, Dad. And that's not what I want to do today. I want to affirm and bless our dads today. It's hard to be a father in our day. Amen? It's hard. It's challenging. So I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged by the love of God in your life because on this Roman road trip, we find ourselves today at the Grand Canyon. We're talking about really uh, the gap between our sin and God's holiness. This is kind of Paul's theme through the first few chapters. And you're going to say, okay, Paul, we get it. We get it. We get it. It might be that we're on the other side of the cross here. And a lot of us do get it. 
but we need to be reminded. Paul will walk us through all these rhetorical questions. We'll see his brilliant judicial mind of, of an attorney, of a lawyer, essentially. He was, he was just a brilliant mind. And he, he will walk us through uh, rhetorical questions and answering them before we ask them. That's what a good attorney does. You know the questions that are coming and you already have answers for them. But we're going to talk about what it is to stand to the edge of this Grand Canyon. And I want to ask you, what do you see? Do you see a gap between you and God? Or do you see the beauty of His grace? How many have been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody been? So uh, I've talked to this before. I, man, when I went to the Grand Canyon, I walked through this grove of trees and I stepped out there and I literally, it was breathtaking for me. I mean, I haven't had that happen in my life a whole lot. First time I saw Stacy. I mean, it happens all the time. But uh, come on. But, but, uh, but I, I mean, I, I walked out, looked out and I was like, <sighs> I mean, literally, I was like, wow. It was amazing. It's 277 miles long. If you've not been there, 18 miles across at its, for this point, a mile deep is the Grand Canyon. But this thing pales in comparison to the gap between us, our sin, and the Holy God. So two weeks ago, let me set this in context, turn to Romans 3. Uh, we started in chapter 1. We started in a place called Sin City. Um, Paul said, hey, here's where we start. It's a place called depravity, all right? And you go like, thanks, Paul. This is great. Uh, he begins in a really dark place because that's where we begin. You don't need rescue. You don't understand the gospel until you understand your great need for God to come and rescue you from your sin. We said that uh, we bring nothing to the table regarding our salvation but the sin that, that makes it necessary. It's all we bring. So we have this gap between us and God. And he says in the first chapter, you know, hey, the, the unrighteousness just demands. It's the reaction. God's holy reaction to unrighteousness, to sin, is wrath. We call it wrath. He hates anything that comes against that which he loves. And so if we're not on his team, we're against him. Jesus would say, if you're not for him, you're against him. And Paul then, this is where his brilliant mind kicks in. Chapter 2, the logical question follows. Which is, we looked at last week, okay, so those of us who are religious, though, like Jews, we're good, right? Not so fast, he says. And he would say to us, okay, so when we think Jews, religious people, think us, Christians, in our day, though we got a little something on the Jews, we've received the Messiah, we know he is this long-awaited Savior. And so he says to us even today, he said, hey, listen, we talked about this last week if you were here. In chapter 2, uh, those who claim to be righteous, but instead are casting judgment, throwing rocks at others who are sinners, and yet doing the same things, or how about sinning in a different way, right? No, you're no better off than them. In fact, uh, you're worse off because you have the truth. And the problem in our culture today is we're not seeing a whole lot of difference between believing people and unbelieving people. And Paul attacks that. He says the problem is deception, uh, self-deception, and hypocrisy. And so last week we said the way out of that is a road called repentance. That's the only way out. Many of us jump on this road trip and we get right about to Plano and we're like, we're done. We're out. And we, we don't press on. And it's because of self-deception and hypocrisy. So uh, we looked at that last week. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, we see the logical question then that follows. So if the righteousness comes by faith, is essentially what they're asking, is there any advantage of being Jew at all? 
Is there there advantage to being righteous? Paul said, you bet there is. If your actions match up with your heart. If there's a matchup, then yes, there's great advantage, but you can be outwardly religious without truly loving God or others. And, and I just, you know, ask that the Spirit would speak into our hearts. Am I that way? Paul says, hey, you can be very religious, still be standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon without any hope because you've not truly embraced the grace of God. So here's what I want to talk about. Uh, it's a real simple sermon today. Three points. I want to talk about the power of the Father in regard to uh, His provision, His protection, and His presence. We're going to make applications for dads, but this is really all, it's for all of us. I want us to consider God's provision, His protection, and His presence. We need men who desire to be just like the Heavenly Father. And so I want to look at these three aspects, the gifts that he brings to us. The first one is the power of provision. Okay, the father is provider. Jehovah Jireh is the name. He's the God who provides. Now look at this. You define provision in this way. Pro, it's from the Latin ultimately. Pro means before, ahead of time. Vision, of course, means to see. A father, listen to this, sees ahead of time what's needed. He offers provision to the family. Paul says in chapter 3, he summarizes his letter thus far, and another question comes to him in verse 9. Look at verse 9. So the Jews, religious people, are better off, right? He said, no, not at all, actually, which sounds shocking. So he says, so let me say it again, both Jews and Greeks. So think this way, gang, religious and irreligious. Religious or the irreligious are under sin. That's the way of saying it. Everybody is, okay? As it is written... None is righteous. This is Psalm uh, 14, 1 through 3. None are righteous, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And we're like, okay, Paul, we think you've made your point. He continues to come back to this. Why? Because we're so quick to move on. Self-deception and hypocrisy. And we don't really, we need to keep, keep, keep being reminded and I know we're here today going, man, Jeff, come on. Nobody wants to keep being here. Is anyone holy? Anyone does? Right? No, no one, no one, no one. Look ahead at verse 20. He says, the law was given to reveal sin, not to fix it. Look at this. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. He'll talk about this in Galatians as well. The law was given, think, think like a mirror, right? I've shared this before, perhaps here. In this room, a mirror will show you when you have a bad hair day, right? A mirror simply reveals the problem. We having a bad hair life, right? You're just like, no, it's not happening. But you don't pull the mirror off the wall to fix the problem. The mirror simply reveals the problem. The law reveals the problem, but it doesn't fix the problem. That's what Paul's saying here. But praise God, watch this. This is a gift that his law, his perfection, his holiness is a mirror into the soul of each one of us. I, I, I need rescue. I'm desperate for God. So Martin Luther said, the entire Christian life is one of repentance. It's the first of the 95 theses. We all need to be in living in a life, a life of constant repentance. We need dads. We need fathers who say, man, I'm checking my heart every day. I'm coming before God. I'm turning away from sin. But men, listen, fathers, your role is to offer provision for your family to see ahead of time. 
It's a key role for the father. Not simply to provide. Many of us go out and I'm going to work hard, make lots of money, but provide for my kids. That's what a dad does. Maybe that's what was modeled for you. Listen, you know what you need to provide? Spiritual direction for your family. That's the greatest gift you bring to your family. Many of us are so busy providing that we're not even present with our kids. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Again, not to beat us over the head, but to challenge us today, you are to provide spiritual direction. The question I want us to ask today, men, listen, fathers, this is a good question. Moms, what do you really want for your children? Really? What do you really want in the end? I think a lot of us would answer that question probably out there in the world. We say, I want what everybody wants. I want them to be happy. I want them to have a good education. I want them to be well-rounded. Okay? Here's the challenge with that. We're not called to be happy. We're called to be holy. Because holiness leads to joy and happiness. That's what Jesus would teach us. So we need dads who are guiding their families to the word of God. Those who are teaching the word of God. Our kids need salvation. That's what they need. Our kids need the gospel. They need to understand that the presence of God is in their lives to live the life he's called them to if they've received Christ. We need dads who will who will guide and lead with the end in sight. That's what we need. A father offers provision. The greatest gift you can bring to your children, dad, listen, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And watch this. Practically, on a daily level, the greatest thing you can do for your children is love their mom. Because a fragile marriage brings about fragility in the home. A solid marriage, one that is gospel reenactment in the home as kids grow up, get a first row seat watching that, front row seat, then it brings about great security. It brings about a great foundational safety and security within the home. It brings a stabilizing factor in a child's life, right? This past week, we said goodbye to a longtime member of our church, uh, Omar Harvey. I wonder if anybody in here knew Omar Harvey. He's been around a while. Okay. Omar was a good friend of mine. When I first met him, I thought, man, you just... You're just a church curmudgeon. That's who you are. I mean, I'm sorry, but you're just like, like he can't, you know, he was, he just spoke directly to you. But, but Omar and I became friends over time. And that, that's on me. That's mass confession. Sorry. But I love Omar. Omar, he was with IBM for years and years, but he would drive by, pick me up out front. Not too many years ago. Uh, we go out to lunch together. We talk about his life. He, he died at 98 years old. Listen to this. He and Dorothy, his sweet wife, who's now grieving his loss, married 78 years. I, I've never heard, I haven't even heard of somebody married that long. And so I would go with him and talk about, man, how in the world, if you knew Omar, you'd appreciate this, how in the world has Dorothy been married to you that long? I mean, and uh, he would, you know, we'd give each other a hard time, but he, he would talk about... Uh, he would talk about her great love. She'd, he'd give her all the credit, you know. But just an amazing man. And I say that because we need examples like that. We need men who are going to stay in. We need men who are going to stay the course and provide godly examples for the children. Because listen, men, you need to be reminded of this. And grandfathers, you have powerful influence in the lives of your grandkids. Think about this today. Your children are going to follow. Watch this. They're not going to follow your advice. They're going to follow your example. Now, advice is good, but kids are going to follow your example, not your advice. Both are needed, 
But if you claim that God's word is important and you never open it. I mean, as, take it from a former youth minister. You want to mess with a child's life and spirituality? Say one thing and do another. That will jack up our children so much. Say that prayer is critical and never pray. Say that being in the word of God is so important because it helped guide you long after you're out of my home. But don't open the word of God yourself. Teach it to your children. Jeff, how do I teach it? Listen, it's along the way. It's every day. Just look for opportunities to guide by example, to lead them, push them to Jesus. Right? We need men who will teach boys how to be men. And we need men in our day, gosh, who will love and honor women and show everybody what it is to, to love and empower and lift up women in our day. Men do this in the home. A father brings provision. Secondly, a father brings protection. All right? Protection. Pro, this is the word again. It's before. Uh, and the word is tegerge. It's, it's in, the, in the Latin. And it means to cover over. And to cover over in front of. I love that. Protection means to cover over. So watch this. When we stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon, we're looking across. Paul says, if you don't know Christ, you're standing there and all you've got is is the wrath of God that's coming upon you. His holy reaction to sin. It's all you've got. And he says, watch the protection that's come to us. He has protected us from his wrath by sending Jesus, right? I love this. In verse 21, he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. He said this in chapter one as well. It'll be a theme. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Not who work, not who do good things, not religious enough. There's no distinction. And here's our verse from last week. Everybody know it? Romans 3.23. Is it up there? Let's take it down. Take it off. Let's do this. This is easy. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Okay, our VBS kids are killing it. Um, but that's, that's our verse. Now, we got another one for today. You're ready for it. It's Romans. Well, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Okay. Um, verse 24, he goes on to say this. Look at this protection. And we're justified by his grace as a gift. All right. We're sinners, but forgiven. Through the redemption, the buying back that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth. Look at this. Put forth as a protection, as a propitiation, as a payment by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he saw ahead of time, he provided, he passed over our sins and put Christ forth for us to be protected from what comes as a result of sin. Dad, this is the greatest truth you can share with your family and to live out. So here comes our memory verse. It's Romans 6, 23. And let's, let's read it together, all right? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right? Let's say it again without it up there. Let's say it. Let's memorize these. Parents, help us. Uh, let's all of our kids. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Good. Some of you. Oh, yeah. Romans 6. 
6.23. There you go. Thank you. Romans 6.23. Let's memorize this. In fact, that verse is, that's the gospel in a single verse. That's one verse of evangelism. In fact, this week, I had the privilege of sitting down uh, one-on-one with a little nine-year-old boy. And Parker and I talked about the gospel. He was eager to receive Christ. I could tell. And so we had a moment. And I shared that verse with him. We looked at God's word and he understood what was happening there. He wanted to be saved. And he, he received Christ right there in front of me. And, and I just had this great joy again of leading someone to faith in Christ. This is the great joy of every parent in the room. To lead, we're here to help you. But to lead your kids to Christ. That's a single verse that can help you there. Well, let's find a lot. Let's, let's, let's get to the last point here. The power of presence. All right. This is probably the most important aspect of fatherhood. Personal presence. And here's how we define this. The state or act of, of existing, occurring. Right. You got to be present to be existing or being present in a place or thing. It literally means to be at hand, be close at hand. Dads, here's my two word uh, challenge for you today on Father's Day. Be there. Be there. Because what our kids need more than anything, yes, provision, protection, our kids need our presence. Look at what he's done for us. Look at Romans 3, 26. Why has Christ come to us? He came, incarnational presence among us. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just, okay, just, remain just, and be the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. He came in the flesh. And not only that, he lives the perfect life, dies on the cross for us. But watch this. He, he's raised from the dead to give us, dads, all of us, resurrection power. This hit me this week so hard to be reminded. I've got the power, the spirit of God that lives inside of me. In fact, in Romans 8, he says this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. He's saying, if you've received Christ, you have the Spirit in you. Friends, don't forget this. And dads, as challenging as it is to be a father, you have the presence of God in you to be the dad that you've been called to be. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That is power, my friends. The presence of a father filled with the spirit of God is power in the home. But we've got to be present. How about this? In the kingdom of God, you've got to be present to win, right? And this is true in all of our relationships. So I want to I just close with this, this thought. Many of us, even when we're present, we're not present. Many of us are overwhelmed with work. Or how about this? Here's what's happening in our day. Many of us are being spiritually formed by our technology more than the Word of God. Moms, dads, we need to lead the way. We need to put the phone down. We need to be fully present. This is serious in our day. We need to, uh, I know some of it, if you're like me, we're using the app on, on reading the scripture through. And it's possible like that. Oh, wow. And then, the, oh, we got Instagram. I got Facebook. I got, whoa, I got email. That, no. You put it in another place. And for the kids, listen, put it in another room. At some point during the night, if you have teenagers, please, the phone is off and it's in another room. We've got to get serious about this. 
Oh, it, it, is, it is shaping us. It's forming us spiritually. And we've got to take a, you know, get a grip on this. Because we're present, but many of us are not present. As a result of our screens and what we get technology in front of us. All right? So let me close with this. Um, some of you know this because I've heard this before. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but I, I, I'm going to close our time here. Um, so I am an awesome bowler. I don't know if you all know that. <laughs> Anybody know this? I don't talk about this a lot. Um, and I don't want to brag, but I am incredible at bowling. I've, I have, uh, I've, for real, I have bowled uh, perfect games many times. You know, that's 300. I've scored, I've bowled 300 many times. Some of you know that, that from the foul line to the first pin is 60 feet. Now that is a long way to bowl. That's, a, you know, roll a ball, right? In fact, that's, that's way too far. I bowl from five feet away. Because, see, from 60 feet, I, I'm horrible. But y'all, check this out. From five feet, I am deadly. Watch this. Error increases with distance. Error increases with distance. Dad, listen, you've got to be present. And when you're present, be present. And what our children need is what the Father has provided to us. And we're called to be fathers. No wonder he's called a father. And, and moms do this as well. We bring provision, we bring protection, and we bring presence. Praise be to God. Dad, you can do this. You're empowered by the Spirit of God. And all of us can live like the Father because of Christ in us. Let's pray as we close our time together on this Father's Day. Lord, I thank you for the word you've given us today. I, I pray that it has been received with grace from a heart uh, of love from a shepherd, a pastor who seeks to shepherd uh, our church family well. So Lord, I know that if we're convicted, we're challenged, let us receive that. But I pray that dads will leave not shamed, not, uh, yeah, not beat up, but encouraged and blessed because you've given us all that is necessary. And friend, before we head out into this day, I just want to ask you right where you are between you and the Father, do you know him? Do you know him? Have you received his grace? Standing on the edge of this Grand Canyon, what do you see? Do you see a father far, far away? Do you see the darkness of sin? The gap between you and a holy God? Or do you see the beauty of his grace? Because he's bridged the gap for you in Jesus. If you've not received his grace, do so even now. Lord, come into my heart. Just say, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I give you my life. And for all of us dads here, maybe your heart's like mine today. Lord, help me to be a father who looks like you. Lord, we love you. It awes us today that we can call you father. And we praise you that we are your children. We give you our lives anew. Thank you for your provision, your protection, for your presence. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon. Come and join us as we seek to follow Jesus every day. We meet every Sunday at 9.15 a.m. for our small group Bible studies called Connect Groups and 10.45 a.m. for worship. We hope to see you soon at Park City's Baptist Church.